Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Banana, banana, not a banana. Para banana, para para banana. Para banana, para para banana. Flock a banana and banana by the each. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, February 10th. Happy hump day to everyone. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling this morning with the Bassmaster ribbon and lips, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. We got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Ah. Lee Lee. Last but not least, making the magic happen is J.D. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. You glorious bastards did it yesterday. <laughs> I threatened to cancel the NBA happy hour watch party on Thursday unless we hit our goal of hitting 30,000 subscribers. Turns out that works, guys. Just a <laughs> just a little threat to take something away that people like got us to 30k in no time. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that has subscribed, continue to like and comment and share the show. And of course, if you haven't, subscribe. Happy hour is a go, okay? It's oh, not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's here on Thursday night. Once again, we'll fire up the live stream around halftime of the Heat Rockets game on TNT. We've got another special guest in Ooh. store. Okay, look. Let's just jump the gun here. We're not going four and a half hours this Thursday. <laughs> Five and a half hours. No, no, Extra no. long. So I'm basically saying this happy hour will in no way be as good as last week's happy hour. But that's just the way it is, okay? Sometimes, yeah, we make classics every day, but that was like a legendary that last Thursday. Marathon with Matty O and Trey making eggs and Lee sitting in the dark for an hour and a half. Like, <laughs> it's a wild ride. Go back and yeah. watch it. Some people uh, said they've watched it twice, yeah. which is oh my God. crazy to me, but... Uh, it was a lot of fun. I've not- tapped in a couple of times just looking for little moments, and you know, you click along on the timeline, and every time it pops to a different moment, I'm having a laugh. I'm having a laugh. <laughs> Don't remember a single thing that was said during the time, but laughing when I see it back. I like the people who say they're saving their subscriptions for the push to 50K. They're like, okay, I see you guys going for 30. I'll subscribe when you're going for 50. Guess what? It's like the NBA. If you subscribe, if you score in the first half, it still counts at the end. Mm. We're on the way to fifty. Get them in. Yeah. Yeah. What were we gonna say, Lily? Uh, I think this time I'm not gonna take my power cord with my computer. So when the battery runs out of my computer, that's it. I'm gone. <laughs> I couldn't leave wow. last week. I couldn't leave. It's unbelievable. All but right. it was it was actually a, a whole lot of fun there and uh, seeing Big Matteo back on our screen wasn't that great. Wasn't it like a throwback oh. in rare form? As you yes. said, he had the perfect amount of complaints. He had great energy. We were obviously catching up with him. Yeah, it was great. We had so much fun. We obviously had fun. We went for four and a half hours. It's insane. I can't believe we did it. I don't know, Skates. I think we're going to do it again. I think we're going to go for four hours again. You might. Uh, A little behind the scenes here. We got another West Coast guest coming on. 
Stay up late on the West Coast. It's not late for them. One in the morning. That's nine o'clock. That's prime time hours, baby. So four hours. It's in the cards. Mm, no, I don't. I don't know. We will see. We'll have some fun. And if you've never joined us for a for a happy hour watch party, uh, it's not really a watch party. It's just a hang. We just uh, we just have a blast. But you guys get your questions in, and uh, we get up to uh, some silly stuff. So join us Thursday night. Okay, email us your questions and comments for the next Beach Steppin podcast. We're stepping on the beach later today at three o'clock in the afternoon, three p.m. Eastern. If you want to join us live on YouTube for that, but email them in no dunks at theathletic.com. No dunks merch always available for sale over at nodunks.com. And uh, before we get into it here, I just wanted to tell the Utah Jazz fans that we are going to talk about your team later today on Beach Step. And we got a great question about the Jazz. Okay, look, they've won 16 to 17. Another really nice victory last night. Donovan Mitchell continuing to impress. We will not really get into them on today's show. So just chill out. That's yeah, a skeets well, guarantee, though. We're talking about them on the beach. What were you going to say, Lee? Well, I'm actually going on a Utah Jazz pod tomorrow, the oh. official Utah Jazz um, team pod. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk a little jazz okay. with my jazz friends. Okay. I'm Lee Ellis, and these are the five <laughs> jazz songs I desire. <laughs> oh, my God. Serious XM. Okay, so, yeah. No, I uh, went looking for uh, Lee's U2 desire thing, and it expired. It's gone. Yeah. So, oh. uh, Lee and I were uh, scouring the internet and serious satellite and it's uh it's just not there so huge bummer i was gonna make a cold open or a top five out of it or something but couldn't find it yeah i even downloaded it myself but apparently that gets wiped as well from the series (laughs) i thought downloading it was like okay you can keep that in your own you know your your memory your storage but not so uh maybe dicky has it in a spare bedroom Uh, all right, let's get to uh, some of the last night's action. We're actually going to be doing this today with a little true or false, guys. Um, Joel Embiid, 25 points, 17 boards, season-high six assists, and helped the 76ers crank up their defensive intens- intensity in the fourth quarter to beat the Kings 119-111 last night. After the game, Worldwide Wob tweeted, the fast-approaching LeBron versus Embiid MVP debate is going to stress test Many relationships. So, <laughs> true or false, Trey? We'll go to you first. True or false? If the season ended today, I don't want to do any of that like, well, if he stays healthy and if he plays this many games. Today, season's a wrap. Joel Embiid would deserve MVP. True or false? I know we're doing true or false here, Skeets, but you can lock it in. Yes, this is Whoa. true for okay. me as me and my close personal friend Shaquille O'Neal like to say, the big man is back! Or as he says it, the big man is back. <laughs> Look at our main MVP candidates from like a week ago. LeBron, still a great choice. If you want to pick LeBron as the MVP, it's hard to argue. I mean, he's playing one quarter of basketball, and it's the best quarter that anybody plays every single night. If you want to pick him as your MVP, fair enough. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Nikola Jokic, he's still balling. He was high on our MVP lists, but the team is struggling a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Same with Kevin Durant, but you look at the 76ers and you look at Joel Embiid, they're not struggling. They look like the best team in the Eastern Conference so far. They beat the Kings last night. The Kings came in pretty hot. A level up in competition, however, and you could see the full display from Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter there. 10 points, 6 rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. 25-17, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks on the night. And I just love how Doc Rivers is using him this year. He's still a load in the post, but his face-up game looks a lot better right now. He catches the ball in better spots this season, I think. He gets the ball in the mid-post a lot more now. There's cutters running around him. He's doing dribble handoffs. He's a more willing passer. I think he's a better passer right now. And it allows him to attack a moving defense rather than playing under Brett Brown, where it seemed like every perimeter touch Embiid would get 
would be at the top of the key and it would be maybe he's going to settle for a three-pointer. Maybe he's going to give you that slow pump fake and work his way to the free throw line. But now he's catching the ball at the mid post and he's been on fire from mid range so far. You saw it last night with a little fall away jumper. He's shooting over, I think he's shooting over 50% from the mid range so far. He's shooting threes less often. He's shooting them at a higher percentage. There's not been much defensive player of the year buzz for Joel Embiid so far, but they're third in defense. It's just been tiny tweaks to Joel Embiid's game so far this season from Doc Rivers and uh, the Sixers, but it's working out. This is like the idealized Joel Embiid we're seeing here. He He's taking care of the ball. I like what I see. It feels like he's part of a team right now. It feels like they put the right team around him. He's the MVP so far for me a quarter of the way into the season. Agree or disagree, Lee? I disagree, but uh, he's making an absolutely uh, strong case uh, and he's clearly having his best season by far. He's playing in control. He's understanding what his strengths are. He's understanding when he has physical advantages against his matchups and he's taking advantage of those. He's pulled the three-pointer in a little bit. He's got to the free throw line a bit, a bit more, little bit more, shooting the ball better, being a team leader out on the floor. His team is winning. So all those uh, ingredients are coming together for him. Sounds uh, like an MVP to me, man. Uh, no, no, look, he could win it. There's no question he has a strong, strong case. I still have LeBron as my ultimate MVP for this season. I think just over the entire you know, what, 20-odd games into the season, I have LeBron. LeBron's played I, 25 and Bede has played 20. Maybe you do yep. hold that against Joel and Bede. No, but, no, yeah, I, don't, I, don't hold it, I don't hold it against him. Uh, and, and in fact, I will say, though, the resilience uh, Embiid has shown largely this season because it was actually against LeBron where he had his nasty fall and he got up and he kept playing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe he missed a game from that incident uh, at all. Um, but, uh, the, you know, he, he, the, there's no doubt that he's impressing me a lot. And whether that's a combination of, of him just maturing and understanding his game and Doc Rivers coming in there and saying, listen, you can dominate these guys. You can bully these guys underneath. I think it's, I think it's a combination of those factors, but it's translating into wins and, uh, and, and he has made himself an incredibly valuable and dominant player. Mm-hmm. I still just have LeBron slightly ahead of him, but not the way that I had him whenever we did our first month awards a few weeks ago where I thought LeBron and there's no real challenger there. And Bede is making that case hard. But as you said, Skids, you didn't want to make this a like, you know, project this out over the course no, right of the now. season. Yeah. So right now, I think he's clearly the second uh, favorite for MVP. If, if, I was, if I was casting a vote, I'd have LeBron one and Joel Embiid. But uh, I've been very, very impressed with the, uh, the, the way that his game has grown in so many factors, not just the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's the leadership it's the domination of smaller opponents. It's when he looks like a little shack where it's like, these guys are tiny. They can't. They can't even stop me at all. I can just use my size. But also not picking up just silly offensive fouls and just like like shoving guys out the way. Basically using his agility and mobility to get inside and just create uh, either high percentage looks around the rim or just that mid-ranger, which feels very, very uh, strong right now in his game. So I've been super impressed with him, but uh, I still ultimately have LeBron as the league's MVP so far. Fair enough, fair enough. I think Embiid is definitely in better condition than he has been in years prior. As Because usually, like these sort of performances from Embiid, you'd see a lot of the time in first halves, maybe three quarters. And then as the game would go on, he would trail off. And I think a lot of it was fatigue uh, setting in years prior. Not so much this year. I mean, he's super aggressive still in the fourth. He's I love that he's... He's guaranteed almost at the line. He shoots a great percentage for especially a big guy. Um, he attacks, 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 keeps putting the pressure on it. And he's at the point with the 25-17-6 last night versus obviously a hot Kings team. And I would say he didn't even play that great a game. You know, like it's we're at that point with him, which is something special when he's putting up those type of numbers. And I'm like, that's not even top five in bead game probably from this season. Like that's how elite he's been. 
I think right now, if I had a vote uh, and it was over, it was wrapped up, I, I would go with Joel Embiid. And I think what you said, Trey, is important about the defense too. I wonder... If LeBron's narrative continues and what he's doing at his age and the winning the wins they're putting up in LA and he gets MVP over Embiid, would there be some sort of consolation votes for Embiid for Defensive Player of the Year? Because uh, I'm with you. I feel like he's going a little under the radar, his impact on that, and I think we saw it even in last night's game. Um, so I wonder if that's in play. You know, there's obviously Gobert always in the mix, uh, Anthony Davis and stuff like that. But uh, I think there could be something there. Uh, I don't know if you agree or disagree. Well, I think that one is Rudy Gobert's to lose at this point okay. in the game. I know we're not supposed to talk about them until the second question of the <laughs> sure. second show on the day. Or <laughs> yeah. Third show, technically. Uh, but uh, I think that Gobert is the guy for Defensive Player of the Year right now because of how well the Jazz are playing and how the great they've been on the defensive end. And you're honestly going to give Joel and, or uh, Rudy Gobert a little bit of credit for being an offensive player in this Defensive Player of the Year vote, which is kind of the reverse of what you're saying with Joel mm-hmm. Embiid. But... I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix. He's obviously one of the best rim protectors in the league. He's still effective on switches, and the Sixers are a solid defensive team. It was Matisse Thibel yesterday, though, who was the defensive mastermind shutting down De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter. Maybe uh, that you see those kind of lockdown defense performances from Matisse Thibel, and that's why other teams are interested in a guy like him coming back in trade packages. A little showcase, a little showcase there, because the Sixers can still get better, I think, heading into the postseason once we get a little bit closer, heading into the trade deadline here. Wouldn't be surprised to see them be active, but the start so far has been excellent. Everybody thought they were going to look a lot better with Doc Rivers coaching, with the new pieces that they brought in. They brought in offensive guys, it seemed like, but the defense has not fallen off, and that's largely because of Embiid. And by the way, Sixers GM Daryl Morey responded to World Wide Web's tweet with debate, question mark. So uh, yeah, he's going to bat for his guys. Daryl Morey loves nothing more than his guys to win MVP in the regular season. Uh, Let's hope it goes a little bit better for him beating the Sixers uh, moving into the playoffs. Anything else to add there, Lily? Yeah, Yeah, well, I've got a question here from the stream team from Greg. Big day for Greg's yesterday. They're following it up today here. What about uh, Joel Embiid for most improved player award? (laughs) No, No, what about LeBron? He's added a three-point shot. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But, uh, I mean, in terms of consolation awards, you know, if if Joel can't sway enough voters, I mean, maybe people sort of uh, give him that one because, you know, we know this one doesn't usually go to an already elite player. But uh, I think based on, again, what we've seen so far, he has improved his game across the board uh, for me. So, you know, I think he fits he's the improved, criteria. But he's not in the running for most of No, he's player. not, no. Nor is LeBron. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Jeremy Grant is actually running away with that award. But uh, all right, let's keep it going. That shot was Jordan-esque. That's what Warriors coach Steve Kerr said post-game in San Antonio last night. Kerr, of course, was referring to this circus layup Steph Curry made in the final minutes of the first quarter in the Warriors' win versus the Spurs. Kerr again, I saw Jordan make that move many times. Go to the rim, get fouled, just kick, kind of flick it backwards. Yeah, you see it here for those of us joining us on the stream team. For those listening, Curry drove the lane. The Spurs sort of collapsed on him. Good defense. Curry spun midair to kiss to kick the, the, the pass sort of back out maybe to the corner, but he changed his mind and then hit the shot blindly. So true or false lately? Oh, actually, we'll go to you again, Trey. Sorry. True or false? This Steph Curry shot was Jordan-esque. You're the Bulls fan here. What do you think? Oh, come on, Skeets. It's true. I'm going to disagree with Steve Kerr, who saw it up close and personal both times. But this did have the qualities that make a Jordan layup incredible because it's mind-blowing at full speed. You see Curry do it, and he almost stops in midair when he does the old flip backwards. It feels like his legs stop moving, throws (laughs) it up. 
But the thing is, once you see it in slow motion, it's majestic. The artistry of the finish is very Jordan-esque as well. You gotta see it both ways. You gotta see it fast, you gotta see it slow, so that you can understand actually what's happening and how the players experienced it too, because they don't get to see it in slow motion, even though Lonnie Walker's saying, hey man, I didn't touch him at all. And that didn't look like a foul on Lonnie Walker. Right. Maybe it was on somebody else, but uh, that was an incredible finish by Steph Curry. He's playing MVP basketball. We didn't bring him up at all. Talking about Embiid, it just feels like uh, the Warriors are a little bit behind some of these top teams like the Lakers and the Sixers. So he's not getting much MVP buzz. It's starting to pick up right now. We've obviously seen him have, uh, what, a 62-point game, a 57-point game, this incredible finish. The highlights are still there. He's playing as well as he has ever played. It's just that the Warriors aren't quite as good as the Warriors used to be. Curry, though, those kind of shots are not a surprise when it comes from him. Mm. Uh, It's called Jordan-esque because it wasn't a surprise when Michael Jordan made him either. Incredible skills. What do you think, Lee? True or false? Yeah, yeah it's true. He's got such soft hands there. It was almost like he he was going to pass it and he heard the whistle and he thought, well, I may as well just let go of it and see if I can get, knock it in. And it does go in. I mean, it just the way that it just spins off the backboard there like that is incredible. Those two games down in San Antonio, he had so many little highlights whether it was that or hitting those threes and dropping yeah. his defenders. He had one on Rudy Gay last night where Rudy Gay just kind of gave up and was almost like, did you have to do that to me, Steph? And uh, and Steph knocked in the jump shot. So, yeah, he, he I, I agree. I think if the Warriors had a few more wins, his name would absolutely be in the MVP conversation. Probably should be anyway. Uh, it just sort of feels like he's not quite in that same bracket, though, as as LeBron and Embiid and maybe Jokic if he's still in there at number three. But, uh, yeah, he, he's playing as fun basketball as he's ever played. It, it's so good to watch him out there playing. Uh, he and Draymond Green have got great, a great connection there. So I just hope the uh, Warriors can pick up a few more wins and uh, make this season, turn this season into something for Steph rather than just a great season where he's going to score a lot and have some highlights. But uh, maybe they don't finish all that high in the Western standings. You guys are right, though. If, if Jokic is in the mix here, his team is basically the same as the Warriors right now, right? Denver 12 and 11, Warriors 13 and 12. So Curry should be there. I mean, the donk is usually in these conversations. Mavericks are 11 and 14 for crying out loud. So why not Curry? He should be at the table. He's in the conversation. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's start no that. Yeah. How many no seats uh, at the table? Hell of a shot. Definitely true on the uh, Jordan-like layup. Just go watch some Jordan YouTube highlights today too, but not the dunks. Just watch the layup package. Uh, it's still so much fun. Um, next one here. The Nets fell to 14 and 12 after the best Worst team in the league, the Detroit Pistons. That's right, you heard me. They only beat the good teams. Uh, They beat them 122-111 last night. Brooklyn's third loss in a row. After the game, Nets point guard Kyrie Irving told reporters that the team looks, quote, very average at the moment. So true or false? Lee, you get it started this time. The Nets are average, and they should not be considered title favorites. And I'll add to that, Tash should just go ahead and give me the $100 right now (laughs) because this Nets team, this average Nets team, is not going to the finals. What do you think? Well, it's false because they have a fairly significant piece uh, not playing at the moment. He's out with coronavirus protocols, and that's Kevin Durant. And uh, when Kevin Durant's on this team, I think they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. When he's not on that team, I think, yeah, they are maybe third or fourth best team because I think he makes that much of a difference to them, not just the way he plays, but his sort of control and his leadership out there on the floor. And last night, I think, was a good example because... There's a few videos going around, a few clips of a little bit of infighting, a little bit of bickering there between James Harden and, and DeAndre Jordan sort of pointing the finger and uh, questioning their defensive effort because it was only 
Well, it was only last week, I guess it was, when it was the Clippers and the Nets, and I thought the Nets had one of their best defensive performances because they put the effort in, but it wasn't there last night, and the Pistons really took advantage. I thought Blake Griffin was excellent, actually, again last night, really uh, using his size uh, advantage down low, but the Nets need Kevin Durant out there just to keep things from, from really falling apart because otherwise this Nets team could be a little bit like the Clippers were down in the bubble. If things don't go well for them, you can kind of see it being a little bit of a combustible situation there. So, you know, Durant's uh, not with the team at the moment. He's expected to join them to play again on Friday when he clears uh, protocols and they can't get him back quick enough. Mm-hmm. Cause I think they've lost three in a row now. Yep. Um, but yeah, when Kevin Durant's out on the court, the Nets, I think, can beat anyone, including the Bucks, who's probably the best team outside of uh, uh, the, uh, the Nets when Kevin Durant does play. Uh, but when he's not there, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough thing. And, and Steve Nash also had some comments after the game as well, just saying, listen, we've got to bring it every night. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We're playing NBA competition. But they didn't have it last night. And uh, that was a very impressive win from, from the Detroit Pistons, pretty much in control of the game from the start too. Yeah. What do you think, Trey? True or false? Are the Nets, you know, with with what we're seeing here, without KD, as Lee points out, uh, true or false, they should not be considered title favorites. Title favorites, I don't think they're title favorites. I still would maybe have them as Eastern Conference champions uh, favorites. I don't know. That that's a tough call because, like you're saying, Lee, it's very it's a very strange situation when Kevin Durant maybe a top two offensive player in the league is the most important defensive player for the Nets. <laughs> but when he's out there, it doesn't look like they can get any stops. But like you said, Lee. They look great against the Clippers. Here's the difference. The Pistons are terrible. The Clippers are good. So the Nets try and flip the switch. The difference with the Nets flipping the switch and the Lakers flipping the switch is that when the Nets flip it, they can't get a stop every single time down the court. Whereas the Lakers, that's kind of what they've built their identity on. They've got great offensive players, obviously, in LeBron and Anthony Davis, guys who can score at the hoop every single time when it comes down to it in the playoffs. But they also get stops every single time that they need to, which is why they're able to flip the switch in the fourth quarter. The Nets try. They definitely try to be a, a switch-flipping team, but they don't have the defensive talent. They don't have the rebounding. They don't have the, the communication, really, and the continuity to to do it as effectively as the Lakers do. I'm not super concerned about them. I think they're going to be terrible against every team they play against that's under 500, and I think they're going to be looking great on every national TV game against a team that's over 500. Lucky for them, in the playoffs, every game is on national TV. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Did you see the clip that uh, I know Schumann uh, shared out last night where DeAndre Jordan just stopped playing defense, mm-hmm. like literally mid-play, just sort of like, okay, I guess he's around me. I'll literally just put my hands down and behind my back. So Very I will not cool. get the foul. I will just give up the layup instead. That was that was weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, you said it, Harden sort of, uh, and him getting into it a little bit, at least like, what's going on here defensively? Like, what are we doing here? And I'm sure it's like, oh, stay in front of your man. Well, where's the help? Like, where are you? Like, and all this, like, you know, the losses start piling up. That's what happens, right, Lily? Oh, exactly. Yeah. And again, I think without Durant's presence there, yeah. uh, they're just a little bit lost. He's almost like the father of the team out there, you know, where, where things aren't going to get a little bit too crazy. But it's more to do with the fact that, you know, when, when this team has some good wins and they look like they're rolling. And again, every team is going to be missing players, star players from time to time. That's never an excuse to just say, well, it's okay if we lose these games. They still had Harden. They still had Kyrie. They're as healthy as ever. You know, they're virtually impossible to stop themselves going forward against a Pistons team that isn't a great defensive team. But uh, again, I felt that the Pistons, they they were just in control of this game. And Mm -hmm. and that's the concern, I think, for Steve Nash is that, you know, is is Harden or or Kyrie, one of those guys, going to sort of fill those leadership boots uh, when Kevin Durant is out? And, and, And it didn't happen last night. 
Well, don't play in boots. That's going to slow you down. No wonder you're <laughs> slow defensively out there. Uh, all right, next one. The Heat beat the Knicks 98-96. That was the final score uh, to finish off a sweep of a home-and-home -home series. It wasn't pretty, but it was nostalgic, maybe. After the game, Heat coach Eric Spolster said, quote, this was more of a throwback Miami-New York game from the 90s, where there weren't a lot of open shots in the last 14 to 16 minutes of the game. You were just going to have to grind out a win, end quote. Uh, R.J. Barrett had a chance to tie it on the final play, but his layup bounce a little high off the rim he didn't get it quite in the box there you know jimmy was challenging and so he got the victory but true or false trey last night's knicks heat game made you miss 90s basketball this is a falsy this one's a false for <laughs> sure come on this wasn't 90s basketball look at what these teams were wearing you got one team in a half and half gradient jersey you got the other one with the tie-dye running down the sides it's even harder to miss the 90s if you're a bulls fan and you see jimmy butler versus derrick rose but somehow it's knicks versus heat oh my heart that being said 98 to 96 heat over the knicks that looks 90s yep. both teams hitting double digit threes though that's not 90s. Nice game for Kelly Olynyk. 20 points, six threes. We did see a few post-ups. Jimmy Butler had one. That's a 90s move, like guard posting up. Love it. Julius Randle was posting up a little bit. But I saw zero Georgetown centers shooting hook shots. If you're talking about Knicks versus Heat, it's either going to be Patrick Ewing or Alonzo Mourning taking 15 steps across the lane, throwing up a hook shot that somehow goes in. Every single Georgetown center had it back in the day, and I saw none of that last mm. night. But the way I knew this was not 90s basketball, hard foul at the end of the game there. Jimmy Butler goes down, but rather than getting up and fighting the New York Knicks, Jimmy Butler acted like he was hurt. He was doing a bit. He was trying to get a flagrant foul out of this. Peeking out of one eye to make sure that the refs weren't looking. Hey, am I still hurt? Am I still hurt? If this was the 90s, Jimmy Butler would have been throwing right. bows. Nick. We would have seen uh, Eric Spolstra hanging off of somebody's leg. Come on, this is not 90s basketball. This was just an ugly, ugly game, but a nice win for the Heat. Yeah, yeah. the Knicks <laughs> scored just 14 in the fourth quarter, Lee. Uh, Tibbs was actually pissed with the free throw difference. Uh, Miami shot a lot of them, 39, I think, in the game. The Knicks only had 16, and it was uh, really bad in the fourth quarter, 13-2 to two for the Miami Heat. Um, but was this... Uh, reminiscent of 90s basketball to you did it make you miss the 90s well I, I took a similar angle as Trey there I thought more about the visuals and I thought can you imagine Charles Oakley if he saw on the other team Alonzo Mourning or Larry Johnson wearing those uniforms mm, wow. I mean imagine what he would say pre-game post-game and then again as you point out with the Jimmy Butler imagine Charles Oakley was the one who kind of got into it there with Jimmy Butler and he's rolling on the ground trying to like fool the refs imagine Oakley after the game but also just Alonzo Mourning in those uh, tie-dye uniforms that just, mm. just just doesn't feel right but in terms of a grinded out at the end of the game there uh, you know tight game only a one or two possession game really at the end and the Heat pull out the victory that to me felt like 90s basketball just like a tough tough uh, dirty grimy win exactly what the, uh, the the Heat needed against their rivals who they're in a playoff race with as well so right. there was some of those elements there and you had two guys who, who took at least 15 free throws too from the Heat and Butler out of bio so there were a ton of whistles and you know as well that if Pat Riley was on the Knicks still you know, there would have been some, ah, oh, they're getting their home cooking down there in Miami, you know, wait till they come back up to New York and we get uh, we get the referees on our side. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was an important couple of wins here for the Heat. In fact, three in a row now yeah. 
just doing what they need to do. Just get those Ws, build them up. And uh, now I think they're only a game back of the Knicks, actually. In uh, oh boy, here they come in the standings. So yeah, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was. It's fun though. It's fun when you can sort of look back at a score where both teams fail to score hundred because it doesn't happen all that often these days. No, it, it does not. Uh, you know, it's not the nineties too when you find out that Miami only made twelve two pointers in this game. <laughs> oh wow, fewest yeah. in franchise history. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so it was always yeah, mostly coming at the line. Or from uh, from three point land, wild game. But uh, Jim and ba- Jim, 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 Jim and Bam, uh, they took over uh, in this game because it wasn't pretty. But uh, there was a big stretch where those guys did all the scoring until sort of Hero they hit a jumper in the fourth quarter. So yeah, Jimmy back in there helping the Heat getting some of these uh, much needed victories. Like Lily said, final one. The Dallas Mavericks guys have stopped playing the national anthem before home games and do not plan to resume the tradition to play the anthem before games in the future. Mark Cuban made the decision after consulting with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. So, Lily, I think you might be happy about this because I know you've talked about this in the past, but true or falsely, other teams are going to follow Cuban's lead here and stop playing the national anthem before games. True, and I hope it happens very soon too. I, I really think this is completely unnecessary to have the anthem before every single game. They used to play the anthem before every game at Summer League. You remember that? When we were out there yeah, in uh, yeah. Vegas, it was like before Summer League games. It's just not necessary. You, ju- you just don't need it. Maybe once at the start of the season, maybe once at the start of the finals, you can have the anthem. Other than that, it's not necessary. We know that it causes a lot of uh, tension between some people who think you should be standing. Other people like to kneel because of what it symbolizes. I think just get rid of it. It's, it's not needed. And I think now that Mark Hume's done, they've done this sort of uh, very quietly too. It was only just picked up here by mm. our own Tim Cato here at The Athletic who had the scoop first there when uh, he noticed it wasn't played on Monday night. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think it's great. And uh, I would like to see other teams certainly uh, do the same follow suit here as what the Mavericks have done and uh, just drop it. I just don't think you need it at all. What do you think, Trey? I'm with Lee. You definitely don't need it. I don't see every team following Cuban's lead here and eliminating the national anthem. But like y'all are both saying, nobody even noticed that this was gone until 13 games into the season. The national anthem isn't on TV every single night for every single game. It is not an essential part of the production. It's going to be up to teams if they decide to play it or not. The only people who are going to be mad are people who want to be mad at it. And they're going to be mad at that kind of stuff no matter what. So... Uh, to me, it's uh, it's completely unnecessary uh, unless it's an international competition. I guess maybe you could make um, an exception when American teams are playing up in Toronto. Obviously, that's not happening this year, but we you definitely don't need it. So I would not be surprised if other teams follow his lead, but probably not all of them. Some teams no. are going to choose no. to continue playing the national anthem. And uh, sure, fine. I guess right. that's okay, too. Right. Let's hear from the stream team on that one. Listening to the podcast, tweet at us, at no dunk saying, do you think other teams will follow Cuban's lead here and maybe stop playing the national anthem? <laughs> and also, I mean, I should point out, the NBA seems fine with it right now. They seem, you know, by all accounts, like, okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You guys are in complete control of whatever you want to do for your pregame, you know, you know, uh, um, celebrations is the wrong word, but pregame uh, festivities or whatever activities. But what will happen when we're back to quote unquote normal mm. and will the NBA be like, no, we're playing the national anthem and then will we have an issue then? We'll, we'll, we'll see when we cross that bridge. What are you laughing about? Uh, we're getting a few comments. Pretty okay. pretty good comments actually from the stream team Can- here about, uh, you know, top five U2 songs. But Dan Israeli said uh, <laughs> they should play Uptown Girl before everything. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, I could get on board with cool. that. Cool. Okay, cool. I'm sure. I mean, honestly, why not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People at least get to sing along, get into it, have a bit of fun with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You dance around a little bit. Maybe we'll just play The Cure, Isaac. Uh, <laughs> Every game, get a little depressed, you know. <laughs> Why isn't anybody shimmying to this? <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Okay, the winds are a blowing, guys. We got some trade rumors. JD's all over it today, baby. Some rumors to address. First one, according to Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. The Toronto Raptors are one of several teams interested in, in center Andre Drummond. Uh, Drummond will be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. He has probably in a, a limited trade market with one year left on that deal. And uh, he just sort of came over, of course, from Cleveland. Sorry, from Detroit to Cleveland for a bag of beans, as we call it. So let's address this rumor. I'll get us started here. The Raptors angle specifically with them. Do the Raptors need a center that could grab some rebounds? Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, it has not worked out well after losing Marcus All. Answer Jabaka, though Beansy's turned it on a little bit here as of late. He, he has found his uh, footing a little bit. Um, but yeah, could they use him, Drummond? Yes. The thing is, though, I just cannot figure out a trade that makes any sense for the Raptors to acquire Drummond. In fact, I, I think their best bet is the potential of a buyout market if, uh, you know, the Cavs and Drummond elect to part ways here, uh, that maybe then they add him. Because unless you get a third team involved, Lily. Uh, oh, and probably it would involve Kyle Lowry going to said third team. It's a tough deal to try and make happen because of the money that Drummond makes. The Raptors are not including Siakam or Van Vliet or OG in any Andre Drummond deal. So to make the books work, you're talking, you know, Norman Powell. Okay, I could see the Cavs actually having some interest maybe in him. Probably Baines. Pat McCaw and Matt Thomas. We're like four guys to even get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, the Cavs are not going to keep all of those guys. It's just weird. A third team, maybe a fourth team even, would have to get in the mix here. And then maybe you have something. But I just don't really ultimately seeing this happen by way of a trade. Again, bio market, possibly. There'd be a bit of a role for Drummond. He maybe would be interested in joining the Raps um, and, and having, you know, the minutes and the opportunity on a good team. But otherwise, I don't see a trade that can be done. What, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, that's always the toughest thing. When you've got a guy who's just earning so much money, I mean, do the Raptors want to give up all those minor assets just to acquire him? Um, where you know, I guess they they would obviously have to give up Baines as well just to uh, make it give him some room there. But uh, 
Uh, you know, if long term, he's only 27, Andre Drummond. If mm-hmm. the Raptors think long term, he could be something they want to keep on their team, um, then perhaps. But even still, when you're paying the big money to Siakam and Van Vliet and OG just got paid as well, I'm not sure how much cap space they would have even to sign Drummond to an extension there. So uh, a few little uh, issues, but also the Cavs. I mean, I know they've cooled off a little bit, but they're playing probably better than they expected so far this season. I'm just not sure they're ready to just sort of, um, considering where they've been, that they would just give up on this season anyway and say, well, let's just, you know, get trade him for for pennies on the dollar anyway. Uh, May as well ride it out while you can with him, I think, just for now. And if things happen uh, and you don't trade him by the deadline, then perhaps you want to buy him out after that if the Cavs season continues to go south. But um, I I just can't see how it really fits with the Raptors. I mean, again, unless they give up Kyle Lowry, which I just don't think Ujiri, my side Ujiri would do, um, I'm just not sure that there is a fit there contractually and in, in, in the trade machine uh, to make it work. Trey, thoughts on this drumming rumor to the Raps specifically? I do think that the Cavs are going to end up being sellers here. Uh, they've lost six of seven. The schedule is really hard right now. They have outperformed expectations, but it's a smart move to move a guy like Drummond for something at the deadline, especially once you've already made the move for Jared Allen. You're likely center of the future, certainly more on the timeline with Okoro and Sexton and Garland. So I do think Drummond is going to be on the market, which makes it tough for the Raptors, because like you're saying, if I'm the Raptors, I do that depth pieces and picks trade for Drummond in a second. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you'll miss the creation that Norman Powell gives you, no doubt about it, but all those other guys, you're basically, that's a bag of beans again yep. right there, yep. unless you're throwing yep. in a pick. But I don't think that the Cavs would do that. Right. I think the Cavs are the ones saying no there because they're going to be able to squeeze some teams for Andre Drummond because I do think he's going to be in contention or a, or a hot name at the deadline because you look at the best teams in the league right now it's the lakers who crush it inside it's the sixers who have a massive guy in joel Embiid inside it's Giannis inside as well you need a big guy to compete right now i don't know that andre drummond is necessarily the most lockdown defender as a center i don't know that he's a great rim protector but he cleans the glass and he's literally big which helps so he's going to be in demand javel mcgee is going to be in demand but I don't think that the Raptors have enough to offer the Cavs that's going to beat some other offers that are going to be out there eventually. That being said, the Raptors need to improve their center spot. They're 21st yeah. in defensive rebounding rate. That's where Drummond would be a massive improvement. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's just how much do you want to give up for a guy that you maybe can't even play in a close game, you know, down the stretch because of, uh, you know, issues at the line and what he, you know, he's a, he's a, he obviously cleans up the glass, but I'm with you, Trey. He's not an elite defender uh rim defender and stuff like that he has limitations of course um teams would elect to leave him i think at times uh in a, in a close game uh, yeah you don't want to mortgage the future or anything like that and then oh yeah he's got a, he's going to be looking for a payday too so that's the fascinating part with him so the rumors out there koc he's plugged in he knows what's going on but uh we will see next one sticking with him tell me if you've heard this before guys danny ainge and the celtics may look to shuffle their mm-hmm. roster ahead of this season's mm-hmm. nba trade deadline yeah According to KOC, guys plugged in, man. Uh, league sources have long said Boston is searching for upgrades to bolster its wing and big man position. Uh, KOC added that multiple executives around the league believe the Celtics are up to something. Mm. So, Trey, Celtics, possibly looking for a wing, big man. Uh, do, you, do you have anything in mind? Do you believe this, what KOC is reporting? Where you go with this one? Yeah, I got a scoop for you. The Celtics are going to try to be active, and they're going to come very close to acquiring all the big names. Very, very close. But they do need a big guy. Uh, Their competition in the Eastern Conference, it's Embiid, it's Giannis. Good luck finding somebody 
to guard them on the trade market. Obviously, Drummond could, I guess, work his way here if there's a if there's a buyout or a whole bunch of uh, pieces thrown into the mix here. There are some other options, though. If Orlando decides to be a seller, could the Celtics be interested in Vucevic? Mm. That's a guy I would maybe consider. I mean, uh, I don't know that he's slowing down Embiid and Giannis, but... He's a solid big guy. He's a 20 and 10 kind of guy. I could see if the if the Magic decide it's over. We got to completely start rebuilding. That's fair. Some other guys I would take a look at if I'm Danny Ainge, lower on the totem pole. Jonas Valanciunas there in Memphis. Just had a humongous game. Steven Adams in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider P.J. Tucker a big guy. He's 100%. Kind of I love that mix. one. Yeah, sure. I do too. P.J. Tucker is fair, and I think he would be very good on the Celtics, but I don't think he necessarily addresses the problems they would have with him beating Giannis. I mean, he's still giving up six inches to those guys. Yeah, he is, but I love it. I mean, I just love the idea of having basically the bigger version of Marcus Smart <laughs> in the front court <laughs> version of Marcus Smart on the same team. I like him. I mean, it's obviously, uh, I, I would be a super aggressive. I think if I'm the Nets too, I'm trying anything to get P.J. Tucker. Um, but I hear you. He's still obviously a much smaller guy than those giants that you're saying. Celtics got some things to work with here. I know we make fun of Danny Ainge, but maybe not ultimately doing anything with them, Lee, but they have a $28.5 million um, player exception the largest in NBA history they have all of their future first round picks mm. and they do have some prospects um, that they've guys they've drafted that haven't you know obviously uh, been around for a long time in Langford and Neesmith and stuff like that so they could put something together I think to go get one of these wings or big mans would you agree with that yeah I mean Vucevic maybe not but I think they could get Aaron Gordon uh, then from the Orlando Magic as a as a wing perimeter guy he's not quite the sort of centerpiece uh, mm-hmm. that perhaps they're looking for but an athletic guy another one to sort of pair along with uh, Jalen and Jason there might help them just get that guy out there and say listen we need you out here to defend and, and you know run the floor he's athletic so yeah. I think I think he's definitely available anyway um I think the Magic would be uh, more than happy to make a trade. And if they could do it with that trade exception, then, uh, you know, then the Celtics wouldn't have to give up, you know, necessarily any of their, any of their young pieces back in return. So mm-hmm. there's a few options out there, but it's a, it is always funny when the uh, Celtics are rumored to be uh, considering a move <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes. uh, more often than not, it's like uh, it just didn't quite work for them. You know, they, they want everything. Danny Ainge, I, I, I respect the fact that Danny Ainge always just wants everything in return for... Uh, you know, a pittance uh, from what he'd have to give up to get those players or those uh, draft picks. So he tries, doesn't always work. Final one, Bleacher Reports, Jake Fisher. He reported on Monday that a cohort in the Clippers front office is ready to move on from Patrick Beverly. Fisher also noted that the Clippers have made it widely known that former six man of the year winner Lou Williams, sweet Lou, is available as well. So Beverly and Lou Williams, if you want them, Lee, you can go and get them from the Clips. What do you think? Well, I'm not surprised that Beverly's available. Uh, I think the Clippers would, would be happy to move on from him. He's injured right now. But uh, Lou Williams is a bit of a surprise. But um, he's having a pretty bad season, actually, mm-hmm. Lou Williams. His minutes are down, really significantly down, to only 20 a game. And therefore, his scoring is down as well, down to 10 points a game, which is very, very low for Lou Williams. He hasn't been that low uh, since he was back with the Atlanta Hawks back seven seasons ago. So uh, I thought Lou Williams, remember a couple of seasons ago when they when they pushed the Warriors, they took two games off the Warriors in the first round. He was awesome. And I think he's so important to them coming off the bench. He's a leader. He's a scorer. But it almost feels like, uh, you know, he, he wasn't really very good down in the bubble either. And he didn't really, he spoke out about what he saw from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I think he's almost just a holdover from that uh, former era, the Clippers, 
and uh, he's probably looking for a new destination as well. And I think the Clippers are sort of showing that as well by playing him less. So uh, I think you can get both of them. I think Patrick Beverly. Yeah, I don't really know what his value is. I mean, he has those games where sometimes he's very good defensively and he can be the 3 and D guy, but uh, there are other games where, he, you know, too many silly fouls. He's always fighting with the refs, and I'm not sure that he brings all that much value actually out on the court. I mean, he, he likes to talk it up. He likes to get into the scraps with the other team, uh, the other opponents, but I'm not sure it's actually that effective. So uh, I think you can get Patrick Beverly pretty easily. I think you could get Lou Williams, but it would cost you a little bit more. And I think he still has something to offer a team as well coming off the bench. We know he can still score. It's just uh, he's not doing it right now for the Clippers. You're higher on Lou Williams than Patrick Beverly at this point in their careers. That's a little interesting I, to me. I mean, but, but what do you really get out of Beverly? I, I just... <laughs> Well, we know what you get out of him. You know a guy that's going to play at least hard defensively and well, yeah, he's, still he's, hit he's, a three-point shot. I mean, Lou is sure. getting a little washed at this point, if I'm yeah, being honest. I, look, like, look, he's this... never a great defender, and now when no. he can't score all that well, then he's basically a, a nothing player. Yeah, but can it, is it that he can't score or the Clippers are just kind of phasing him out? I, I, I still well, wouldn't. Yeah. I still wouldn't. I mean, Lou Williams at the end of the game, I'd still rather have him on the court than Patrick Beverly. I mean, obviously, yes, Patrick Beverly, a more intense defender. Lou's not a great defender, but... Uh, Big Lou's going to hit some shots still, I think. But okay. you know, they, I think they're both they're both probably on their way by the by the looks of it. Oh, as we've talked about before, the Clippers would love to get their hands on a Kyle Lowry, I think, and plug him in as their point guard in a, sure. in a playoff run. Um, I don't think Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, what Zubats, uh, what else you got to throw in there to make? Well, they it got no trade? draft picks Man. either. So. Yeah, no picks. Like, uh, don't see Masai Ujiri want nah. to do that. Um, Trey, yeah, what do you think though of uh, rumors at least of Beverly and Sweet Lou being available? I buy it. Yeah. Since the summer, the the story around the Clippers has been that they want another point guard who can create and set up their stars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And it has been Kyle Lowry has been the name rumored. It's obviously hard to get him there to the Clippers because of the moves they've made in the past. But they've been wanting to upgrade their point guard position for a long time. They brought in Reggie Jackson last season. He seems to be getting the bulk of the minutes now. Beverly and Lou Williams both seem to be almost part of the old Clippers at this point, with the way things went down at the end of last season with Doc Riffers leaving to the Sixers, it kind of felt like uh, perhaps L.A. was moving on. And maybe that will be the case here because, like Lee's saying, they both can be effective in their roles. Uh, I think Patrick Beverly kind of gives a little bit more fuel to the opponents sometimes. I think having him out there can be a benefit to your team if he's trying to get you riled up and he takes himself out of the game. I think that happens a lot. Lou has been struggling Maybe if they're playing on a team where they have bigger roles, more important roles, they're able to reinvigorate their careers and give some team a little bit of a playoff push or something like that. But the Clippers could certainly upgrade over those two guys, upgrade over Reggie Jackson. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a move for another guard out there, but they're still going to need a big guy inside. So I wouldn't necessarily want to put Zubac in the trade. Uh, He's going to be a player that... Some teams are interested in if the Clippers are trying to make a move, but you got to have somebody big who's going to handle Nikola Jokic, who's going to try and guard Anthony Davis, who's going to give you a little bit of oomph inside. Serge is an offensive player at this point in his career. He can help you defensively, but they need a couple of little pieces here. So yeah, moving Patrick Beverly, moving Lou Williams, maybe that's a way to improve your team. All right. Well, if you see a juicy NBA trade rumor you want us to address, let us know, of course. Tweet them in at no dunks Inc. or email them in nodunks at theathletic.com. Okay. Got a fun little top five for you in a second here. But first, a final word from our sponsors. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, as everybody knows, yesterday was International Greg Day. Hmm? So happy belated Greg Day to everyone out there. Uh, stream team threw one hell of a Greg Day party yesterday. They ate Greg eggs, tapped the beer, tapped the beer Greg's is what I meant oh, to say. Okay. Yeah. This had a grand old Greg time, really. Uh, really fun stuff. So to honor the big day, even if I am a day late and a Greg short, I thought we could celebrate our top five NBA Greg's. Hit the music, JD. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. Yes, my top five NBA Greg's to celebrate International Greg Day, which of course was yesterday. At number five, it's Greg Ostertag. (laughs) Double O. Played 11 NBA seasons, almost all of them with the Utah Jazz, and you would know that just by looking at him. He led the playoffs in total blocks and fouls one postseason, and Shaq, I think, once slapped him. Uh, if yeah, that's right. That. Yeah, so there he is, big old Greg Austin. Man, a haircut you could set your watch to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay, at number four, it's Greg Oden. Mm. Yeah, number one pick in 2007. Honestly, he's got one of the most depressing basketball reference pages you'll ever see. He played <sighs> just over 100 games, and it features like four did not play injury knee seasons, like on that page. You want to know something even crazier? Greg Oden just turned 33. Wow. Man, that is wild. Um, Number three. It's Greg Monroe. Hmm. Yeah, Moose. Big guy played for the Pistons and the Bucks and the Suns and the Celtics and the Raptors. He was all rookie in 2010-11. And his best year probably was his final season with the Pistons when he averaged 16 and 10. The Moose made $75 million over his career. Oh. Yeah. Not bad. That actually shocked me. I didn't think it would be that high. So He was like the number one free agent one year, yes. right? When yes. he signed with the Bucks, It was like, whoa, the Bucks are back. They got Greg Monroe. That's right. Yep. At number two, go with the guard, Greg Anthony. Yeah, former Knicks point guard, 12th pick of the 91 draft. The Grizzlies' first pick, if you remember this, in the expansion draft, and his best season there was in Vancouver. He averaged 14-7, and got a lot of minutes there, joining the expansion Grizzlies. Uh, He's obviously an analyst now, and he's the father of NBA rookie Cole Anthony. Unfortunately, uh, Greg Anthony didn't name Cole Anthony Greg II, 
because that would have been really good. <laughs> but number one on our NBA Gregs, come on, it's obvious. Oh, yeah. It's oh, Greg yeah. Popovich, a Greg so Greg he put two G's in it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the Gregest and greatest coaches of all time, the ultimate Greg. We raise a glass of vino to Greg Popovich. So apologies to Greg Steamsma, Cadillac mm-hmm. Greg Anderson, 78 mm-hmm. Bullets champ Greg Ballard, Greg Buckner, and two-time NBA champ and inventor of a wonderful children's toy, Greg Kite. So there are <laughs> top five <laughs> Gregs. Did I miss anyone? I mean, I, I was almost had Steamsma in there. I had to go with Ostertag. I was a big... Uh, the original Greg uh, yeah. Steensma yeah. is yeah. Ostertag, I think. Uh, no, I think you nailed it. I think those right. are the top Gregs, and you honestly blew my mind putting Greg Popovich number one. The last G in his name? You think that stands for Greg as well? <laughs> so he's Greg Greg? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I hope somebody asks him that, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, no, pick- He would love to be asked that question, exactly. surely, during a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, pick him results from last night. It was the Philly Sacktown game. Uh, Philly was favored by five and a half, and they got it done in the end. They won by, what they win by? Eight, right? 119, 111, I think it was, in the end, final score. So... I had that right. Trey had that right. Tass had that right. Lily, yeah, you pre-swerved on that one. You had the Kings. You got the L, and you're two and five now. Trey, we thought was having like the well, he was technically having the worst month you could possibly have, starting 0 and five. You guys are tied now in last place at two and five. Tass is three and four. I'm four and three. Tonight's game, Cleveland in Denver. We got a big line here. We don't have these uh, big lines usually, but Denver favored by nine and a half. Uh, so Trey, we'll go to you first. Who do you like in the Cavs Nuggets game tonight? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but who cares? I'm going Lee Ellis on this one. No, it's a, it's a strange to see such a big line. Both teams are really struggling. Both teams need a win, but oof, that's a big line. Um, give me the Nuggets. I think I'm going to go with the Nuggets on this one. I don't know. They need a win more. They okay. need to win more, and they're going to want it 11 points worth, 10 points worth even. Okay, okay. Uh, Lele, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm going the same. I think the Nuggets have just got too much. The Cavs just struggling a little bit. Um, I mean, the Nuggets almost have to win this one convincingly. They just need a good win. So I'll take the 10-point Nuggets victory. Okay. My gut says Tass is going to agree with you guys, uh, which means I would love to swerve. I would love the opportunity to swerve on everyone here. So I'll take the Cavs plus nine and a half. But let's find out who Tass is ultimately picking. Ooh, this is a tough one. Both teams need a win. But I'm not a Cavs believer like Lee is. So give me the Nuggets. Blowout. Mm, yes. I think he thought I was going to swerve then. Nice yes. Swerve. Nice swerve. Oh, I'm happy with this. I'm very happy with this. I'm the only one taking Cleveland plus nine and a half. Everybody else has Denver winning that game by 10 points or more so good luck all right yeah no tweet of the night we did the top five gregs instead it was a really fun show though packed a lot in there we'll be back to step on the beach later today 3 p.m eastern live on youtube if you want to join us as we uh, hit the beach to answer your uh, emails and your questions and your comments always a fun show if you just listen to the podcast that's fine it'll drop in your podcast feed uh later today Continue to like, comment, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. We hit that 30,000K mark. Now we go for 40K. Yes, indeed. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. Speaking of merch, Trey, I see, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you're wearing a Carhartt um, sort of crew neck there today. That's right. Con- confirmed, I wasn't dreaming that those those NBA Carhartt hats do exist. I saw you tweeting about them. A lot of people responded to me and like, oh, here it is. They look pretty cool. Yep. Got one in the mail, buddy! Wow, you already bought one. 
Well, Sally Kirby coming through. I got a birthday <laughs> coming this month. I said, Mama, Mama, I need a new hat. I need a new hat. <laughs> All my friends on the internet say these are very cozy. Mommy, Honestly. Mommy, we call our podcast the Classic Factory, and I need to wear a Carhartt hard hat. That's honestly incredible. You know, I sometimes think my mom loves me, and then I realize, no, not nearly as much as Sally Kirby loves her Trey Kirby. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I can't wait to see the hat. Which one did you end up going with? Because I know there's like three different styles or something like that. Yeah, I went with the cleanup. I went with the cleanup here, okay. which I think is the unstructured dad hat with a fabric bat. Okay. Uh, the MVP is the structured dad hat with the Velcro strap. And then there, I forget what the flat bill, okay. like a large crown one is called. That one looked the most like a hard hat. So I was yeah. a little interested in that, but I had to ultimately go uh, dad with it. Okay. Lee, if you were to get one uh, with an NBA logo on it, uh, the, these Carhartt hats, which I can't believe are a real thing, uh, which team would you go with? Well, wouldn't I just get the NBA logo? Just the, oh, uh, like Rob Lowe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. that Rob Lowe right at a football? Yeah, game? for the NFL yeah. one. Yeah, that's right. Looked, like, uh, looked like an official up there. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. I guess you would. You would just get an NBA one. Okay. Mm. Um, they had them for the NHL, and there was one that was just celebrating the original six teams. I, I love oh. that one. I just like the first six teams, and that's it. <laughs> it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, all right, guys. We'll call it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't done that already. $3.99 a month right now. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. You can get the best damn sports writing in the world, and you can get all these uh, podcasts ad-free, part of the, uh, the Athletic Podcast universe. Okay, we'll see you later today. Thanks again, Clipper Pros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, when Lee swerves in the pick and payoff, he's Swervis Ellison. <laughs> Thanks to Ziggy Starfox for that one. Embrace the day, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.